We are Unseen Artists, and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And today, please join us as we go down the rabbit hole and start this discussion of Alice in Wonderland. Which is <laughs> that was cheesy. <laughs> you let me do an intro. You <laughs> if it's cheesy, it is. Just wait for next week. So... <laughs> This stage show started out on Broadway with a version um, written by Ava Leguillerme and Florida Frivas. Um, They adapted it for the stage based on Lewis Carroll's book, and the music was done by Richard Adensel. Um, And you said that there was another version that was originally on stage by Henry Clark. Is that right? Yeah, I can't even find the version that you're talking about. Um, Yeah, it was... uh... At per, it was a musical but like i would consider all of the versions musicals because they do sing in them yeah. um so that's why i didn't realize that there was a separate one um but yeah it was written um by uh henry where is his yeah henry seville clark and he requested to lewis carroll to adapt it um and it first premiered um, on the West End in 1886. Hmm. I uh, I don't know why the one I found isn't showing up. I think I just put an Alice in Wonderland Broadway stage show or Broadway premiere stage show or something. Um, yeah. Anyway, but it's yeah, probably so... one of those things that has like 8,000 adaptations oh, and anybody sure. looking for it could find a different version to Absolutely. talk about. Um, absolutely. Well, this one that I started with came out December 12th, 1932 at um, what was the Civic Repertory Theater. And it was, uh, Eva had made this her home theater in 1926. And uh, so that's why she pretty much had, she was in all the shows here. If you look at her like playbill credits, they're all here and they're all shows that she's done basically, which was interesting. Um, and it was, <sighs> that's my dream. Show. I know it seems lovely um it makes me think of like the Ryman theater um I've been telling my dad to have his own theater to do all of the shows that I want to be in um and I'm still waiting for I guess him to retire for that to become my new dream reality so feels like good for her yeah it feels like good retirement project for him so (laughs) (laughs) I like it um yeah it was um I don't know if I just said this. It was sadly demolished in 1938. So this theater does not exist anymore. Um, was it one of the um, the ones that they got rid of for the uh, hotel? No, um, this was a World War II issue. They went into oh, oh. the Great Depression and a lot of stuff went away. And this was one of the yeah. things. So okay. um, this was that. So It's hard because if you... I, I took a class in Broadway. This is like not super relevant but there i took a class of like the history of like broadway and and or theater history is really what it was so we talked about other countries and stuff too but one of the things was um especially for the broadway theaters they've a lot of them have been renamed so many times that sometimes you don't know if the theater is still there and it's another name or if it's something that has gone away or if it's been turned into something else because all of these things have happened throughout the history of i mean theater in general but um but on broadway in in particular because it's so close to us personally yeah um i do always double check what stage this what state this theater is in like is it the 
original name? Is it the 17th name? Is it not here anymore? Like I try to look at all of those things when I yeah. look up, if it's one I'm not familiar with, like if it's an older show. Um, and then the most recent version of Ava's show was done December, was premiered December 23rd of 1982 at the Virginia Theater, which is now the August Wilson Theater. Oh, um, yeah. And it starred Kate Burton, which is the one that we are going to be discussing mainly today because it is the one that we watched as they did a PBS special on it. Um, the cast that was at the um, Virginia Theater is completely different from the cast we saw on the PBS special, aside from Kate Burton, um, who I'm, uh, if you're not familiar, she is on Grey's Anatomy and in a thousand other stage performances. So, and the daughter of Richard Burton. And the daughter of Richard Burton. Um, but yes. So And she's amazing. She is amazing. I love um, her. So what was your experience with the stage show before like seeing this PBS special? Had you seen it before? Had you read it before? Like, where did it come up in your life? I did a very terrible production of it in high school it was part of my so i went to a performing arts high school which i have mentioned before um so as part of like one of my acting classes i think it was my sophomore year or something as part of our acting class like showcase whatever we did a um we did a production of it and it was like it was so bad like no no shade to like any of my classmates that were in it or anything like that it was just like the concept was like so and I get what he was trying to do so he was trying to like get as many people in parts and stuff as possible so instead of having like one Alice we had three Alices and he decided to have it so the three acts were um three different like concepts and so the first act was like original, like a traditional Alice. Um, and then I think the second act was like mock quote unquote modern Alice, except it was really just my friend in a slutty Alice Halloween costume. Um, and it was just, uh, but it was supposed to be like modern, but everybody was just kind of like being really slutty. Um, which was like just very high school and I liked my teacher and he was a good <laughs> he was a good director in general but this was sort of towards the end of his career and he was kind of becoming this like dirty old man who was like really oh, into no. the young girls anyway mm. so um so yeah so that was that and then I think the third act was like future like in the future version or something. I don't know. It was, I can't totally, I think I blocked out parts of it because it was so just not good. Um, but anyway, it, it you know, there's a, you know, people have ideas and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And I think this really didn't. Um, so that, anyway, that was my, I had already like read the, read the book, um, seen the, like Disney movie um and yeah I think with the animated Disney movie and then I think yeah I was like familiar with the story obviously um but I think that was the only like stage um production that I uh was part of and then there was like a, a Disney uh or not Disney I'm sorry a junior version um that I saw 
like when I was older that like somebody's kid or sister or something was in um which was like I think the junior version is like very similar to the Disney version anyway um but yeah so it was uh yeah I did a production I was the knave the one that's on trial mm-hmm. um I had like two lines it was fine uh like that concept could work like I'd be interested to see a different version of that concept <laughs> like past future or past present future yeah. but like you know you'd have to be particular about it but like I think yeah. that's an interesting take on it though even though it sounds like this was a terrible execution of the idea well so. it, that sort of concept I think works well for a story like this that's very mm-hmm. clearly not real right you know whether it's you know, children's fantasy or an LSD trip or whatever, you know, um, it kind of lends itself to sort of like odd Mm -hmm. uh, retellings or like, um, not odd, that's not really the right term, but like, like unusual type of, yeah, um, you can kind of go all out and it, it into some kind of crazy idea and it will still work because you're there's no point except maybe the very beginning and the very end when you're trying to say that anything is really truly happening yeah. um that this is real life and so like or it's a dream or whatever um whatever the concept you're taking is on like how wonderland relates to alice's life yeah, I think it, it it does lend lend itself to that. That's for sure, and so that is kind of what's interesting about it. And I think that maybe that's why we've seen so many different um, at ad- adaptations, um, and just like different ideas that people have for it because you really can do a lot with it. It just falls under the same like guidelines and ideas of like folk stories and you know, grim tellings and stuff of that. Like it's it's it does have that very same like vibe, even though it's not in that category right which is interesting um yeah so did you have any um thoughts on this particular production that like stood out to you um I mean other than the cast we had an insane cast that like I didn't even recognize all of them until we talked about it later but uh yeah so we had like like I said Kate Burton played Alice her father Richard Burton played the White Knight Nathan Lane played the mouse Jeffrey Holder was the Cheshire Cat Andre DeShields was Tweedledum and Eve Arden was Queen of Hearts. So it was like a, a standout cast. Um, yeah. Um, the thing that I found really interesting about this version, uh, and some of it has to do with, well, not necessarily, but so, some of it might have to do with the fact that it's, you know, the 80s. Mm-hmm. We don't have the same modern, um, like, technical stuff that we have now to do with it. Um but I liked the fact that they really made it seem like you were in the story, um, like with the cartoon at like animated esque mm-hmm. um, scenery, and they really sort of blended all of those things that the the, um, the pages and all of the stuff. It, it stays pretty true to the um, to the original story, um, which is interesting because. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, um, but maybe not. 
maybe it's just something that I feel like people know in general is like there's a lot of things that tend to change and things that get cut or or um, adjusted or added or whatever um, when you change something from like a book to a play or a book to a movie or a play to a movie or whatever any type of adaptation you have to sort of change things to to feed um, I'm sorry to fit the medium that you're in or that you're trying to to like perform in but also sometimes it's like you only want to focus on you know this part or that part especially if something is really long like little women is the biggest I think Mm -hmm. example of that of like everybody wants to do it but you cannot do that whole book it wasn't even originally only one book right you know it was originally two books and so what do you do two plays well that you know Harry Potter did that and that lasted for you know not that long so anyway um it just sort of there's a lot of stuff you can kind of do I guess and 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 decide what you want to focus on but it stayed you know pretty true to all of those the the little um scenes um the places that she goes the characters that she meets like all of these things um as she goes through and so um I like that it kind of felt like you were it was like the story come to life yeah literally um which is funny because we have these like now right we have these uh live versions of animated and you have ones like the lion king which was like not live at all because it was just cgi right and so but like this 1982 version of alice in wonderland felt just so much more what do you call it story i don't know yeah it just felt so much more of like this combination between uh, of like you jumping into the story like it sort of felt like you were in there following her through the pages of the book is kind of how it felt to me um that I thought was kind of interesting and yeah like maybe it's kind of kitschy and not everybody's like into that kind of thing I would rather have something that doesn't seem real that is like a performance than like trying too hard to make it be real I guess yeah but I feel like I've talked about this before too so I think so yeah, I liked it. I don't know where I fall in that line of like what I'd prefer. Um, but I will say that whenever I first like turned it on, it caught me off guard because it was not what I was expecting. Because I was expecting the like traditional costuming, the traditional like stage setup, and this was not that. It's like yeah. you said, it's very like animated, everything looks hand-drawn that's like on the stage, and like you have all these characters that are like one in one scene they're wearing a mask and then the next scene they're just the face because they're the ones talking and singing and it's like I had to like adjust to the style that I was not familiar with um in the end I did end up enjoying it and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was um very uh very true like you're saying to the story and it felt like a storybook it felt like um I I would like to see this applied to something like Winnie the Pooh because I think that would also translate really well and like I mean of course it's you know we're not in the 80s anymore but I think you you know I think this style would still translate okay especially because that's how you know Winnie the Pooh has been portrayed this whole time with all of this stuff um but yeah um it is also very interesting what you said about the story because I went through every adaptation I could find basically in the last two days and watched and or read them um and this is what I found to be the absolute truest to the story it has because like even with which we'll talk about in a minute with the Disney one like 
you, the mouse character's not in there. The mouse character is a huge part in this story, which as he is in the original like book, like and it's um that's Nathan Lane's character, which is nice. I love him. Um, and you and have, then I like, feel like most versions cut out that whole section where she goes and talks to like the 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 clams and all of the no. like sea creatures. Like almost no production has that that scene in it. So I'll tell you, that's actually in the second book. It's not even in the first book because that's another thing. Like, oh yeah, I've through seen, the Looking Glass. Yeah, through the Looking. I see a lot of like translations where they're combining versions, which is what the Disney movie did. Um, there are actually four books, which I was going to tell you the names of them. They are. I thought I had them. okay. So you have Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which is the original. Alice's um nope. So Alice's adventures underground which i did not read but it was like the original um like telling of the story before it became alice's adventures in wonderland so it's essentially Mm -hmm. the same book but it's just like the first quote-unquote unreleased version that lewis carroll did um oh okay and then through the looking glass and what alice found there um and then there's also the wasp in a wig and the nursery so i've not heard of or read the last two um but I think most people are familiar with the first two anyways. Those are the ones that are incorporated um, in this production. I feel like what usually happens or like what had traditionally sort of happened is people are used to Alice in Wonderland being a combination of Mm -hmm. both the Alice in Wonderland and through the Looking Glass stories because what sort of had never made sense to me, and I'm glad that some of the more modern versions have fixed that problem, is that the, I've seen some versions where the Red Queen and the Queen of Hearts, they try to merge into one character, um, but their storylines are so... You either have to just cut out parts of the storyline because it doesn't really make sense. Um, because, yeah, it is two, it's two completely different stories. There's the chess set storyline which is the red and the white queen and then there's the cards storyline which is where the queen of hearts comes in and so having them be sort of one character which has been done a a few times and i always find it a little bit confusing because it doesn't really work right i think yeah um although they did that with the the modern um tim burton version and made it one but i feel like that was I don't know. I think they they did an okay job with that version yeah. of doing that. And also, like, the Duchess is not usually... Yeah, that scene, too, with the baby and the pepper and the... Yeah, and the Duchess. Yep. Yeah, and it's in, you know, all of the, the, the iterations of the books. It's like, the Duchess is in all of the books, it seems, and yep. she's not really mentioned otherwise. And I was like, that feels like a character that's, like, a main character energy type thing. Like, she should yeah. be a little more included. Um... And so it was just like, I was just really appreciative of how they like actually adapted the books as opposed to it being like some later versions, which we'll get into, um, feel more like a inspired by, yeah. <laughs> like based on the characters from Alice in Wonderland. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. Have you seen any other like stage versions that have done this, this style of production with like the costuming and stage staging and whatnot um i have i'm trying to think of 
it tends to be a little bit like either more children's theater um does stuff kind of like this with like the the face paint and stuff like that or like ballets mm-hmm. um do a lot of this kind of style um older stuff tends to tends to have this kind of style and use uses less of technology because they didn't have it um and so i don't know i kind of like if you commit to that style i like it you know it's when you sort of use it because you couldn't think of anything else and then you kind of like only you only like part use it that sort of makes it weird to me um but yeah i I like the way that they made all of the characters seem like cartoon characters, you know, rather than like costume characters. And it's like, there's like different ways that you can do this kind of stuff with like animated things like the Lion King, um, which we haven't really talked about, but um, the way that they do like sort of the head pieces that kind of sit on top. And so you see their head, but their head isn't really like part of, you know, what's happening um, because the the care you know their their face isn't the face of their character right because right. they have the, the headpiece and so like that kind of concept is also really interesting um and again like for me I think something like that is really interesting because when I come to see a production like this I'm not coming for you to show me you know reality type television like right. that's not what I came for um and so you know that's part of what I love about theater is that um what do you call it the suspension of disbelief you know like you do things and like yeah it sort of has to make sense and so if you have one character that does that one character that does this that's not going to work but when you have you know one type of you know way that you do something like that is I find that really interesting so um I like what they did uh and it, it did really feel like you were like entering the book yeah Um, and so that it it was all very consistent which was nice so you can tell it's like I think some people might like modern maybe below our generation kind of people might look at a production like this and be like oh they just like didn't have the technology like they were just kind of using what they had but like it was very clearly a decision to do things the way that they did um and it was 82. It's not like it was 32. Right, you know, right. like stuff existed, but yeah. it's like they had a mood that they were trying to create. And I think they really created it and they were very successful with it. So like, while it sort of felt like, and it's funny because you texted me when you first watched it, when you first started watching it and you were like, this is, would you say like unhinged or like, yeah, uh, or like, like psychotic or something like that yeah. and it's like yeah if you really think about it like without knowing the story mm-hmm. and you're watching it like yeah you would feel like like what the heck is happening because like it's all these different pieces and so I think um that I had an interesting thought when I was watching it um if I didn't I had that thought you know if I didn't know the story already I may be watching this and be like what the fuck is happening like what insane person put this together and I think that's part of why there's like that rumor about you know that he had an LSD trip and that's where it came from because it's like all of this wild stuff like who in their right mind could possibly have come up with this right Mm -hmm. um but it's sort of like 
I, if I didn't know the story, I feel like I might have reacted to it the same way that I reacted to Little Prince when I saw that on Broadway. And I got to the end and I was like, what the fuck just happened? Because I was not familiar with that story. And so all of these pieces were coming and all of these different things that didn't seem to connect. And I had no idea what was going on. Like, Lindsay looked at me and was like, oh, my God, no, I get it. That was wonderful. And I was like, what like what happened and so I feel like there's probably plenty of people who didn't know this story and watched it and were like what the fuck is happening like what drug did I take before I went on like what wild ride is happening here like where where are we and so I think that that's something about like children's stories Mm -hmm. that's really interesting to put them in a in a performance kind of space like this you know I also feel like that's kind of like how it's meant to be for Alice in Wonderland because like I mean every adaptation you see is unhinged whether it be in a book (laughs) or a film or a stage like or a game any like any adaptation I've seen of Alice in Wonderland I'm like someone who just did like a ton of shrooms or something (laughs) is like sat down and wrote this and was like here's my submission and it just got accepted like that is the only way I feel like to describe granted I'm sure Lewis Carroll did some type of drugs he was in the right time period of writers who did drugs like for their daily life there was also the darker side of Carroll where he wrote this based around um the neighbor girl and whatnot the the younger Alice that's where she the character came from that's creepy I thought it was supposed to be his niece no it ended up being his I think they ended up getting married or something later down the road it was not well that's very 1800 um but it was the neighbor family um that just told the story to his niece about the neighbor girl probably i see i see i see yes yes that that sounds to connect um well that's very like like, we we find that all super gross but like that's very 1800s of like these adult men yeah being like oh yes here's this eight-year-old they're cool let's get married i'll save your family yeah like, and I, or whatever least, like they did get married when she was eight i think she was a bit older still and the entirety of the story was not love which is a comment i have for one of the adaptations later but it was about like growing up and so yeah. like it at least the story itself wasn't meant to be a creepy take on a relationship it was meant to be about he like he found this child that he liked and them you know growing up and then i'm sure the world well, that's I'm more sure that's interesting world. anyway in yeah. my opinion like the fact that she's seven and a half or whatever in the in the book exactly. and almost seven none of the adaptations exactly. <laughs> <laughs> almost none of the adaptations do that they make it some sort of romance story um and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead. We can talk about this later if you want. Let's but wait, I, let's I wait on that. Okay, great. Um, but I did notice stuff about that too. That it was like these different. It it changes every time somebody like does something because they have some kind of idea that yeah. never works for a seven and a half year old. Right, but I do it. like the idea that a lot of the adaptations do stick to the idea of growing up, whether it be a seven year old or someone older or whatever, or um, maturing. Like, I guess maturing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I I really liked this one, and I was only familiar with before the. I mean, I was familiar with a lot of Alice Wonderland adaptations before this, like modern adaptations. Right. But for more traditional ones that other people know about, <laughs> other than just me, 
um the only one i was familiar with was the movie i hadn't read the book yet um i read the book again um the disney movie from 1951 was the original one that i knew about and it did a lot of things different but it didn't lose the heart of the story it also maintained a lot of it and um you do see a lot of the combination of the books all of the stuff with the garden all the stuff with tweedledee tweedledum that's all from book two that's not book one (laughs) and uh so but you know you have to have enough i mean it's a very short book so it's i mean you had to have enough to make a movie so it makes it makes sense they still kept most of the stuff in um i did want to note some of the things that they got rid of um we don't have the frog guards which are used in a lot of the other adaptations yeah so it's just the cards at this point no frog guards and we don't have any mention of pigs the uh queen has a lot of pigs that she uses for footstools and etc and i don't remember if she used one but it was like a bigger plot device in the book than it is in the film we get rid of like i mentioned the mouse we already get rid of the mouse um there's also a dog she meets when she first gets into wonderland at one point yeah ever mentioned we we um, see him in the newer version again yes yes back in yeah. tim burton's we do see him again and then as I mentioned, there's no Duchess and there's a new soundtrack because it's Disney, so new Disney songs. That's um, another one with the um the the Duchess thing has the pig um connection too with the baby and whatever mm-hmm. um that turns into a pig or whatever it yeah. is. Um yeah, it, that that sort of just they cut out, which is like again, kind of psychotic and weird and like where did this come from but like that's the whole thing so like right why that piece (laughs) (laughs) why is that piece that we're like this is too weird we're gonna take this out right yeah so so what are your thoughts about how this the book to stage to film happened like what do you think about this film version um well they did seem to just despite all of the like death right like off with his head kind of right. stuff um it's very it, it's very disney and it's like it's very clean um and everything is sort of like excuse me um happier and brighter like i love um you know i love that scene with the flowers and like even the little things that you sort of see um where however you want to think that the caterpillar is you know whether he's smoking weed or smoking just like hookah that's not gonna you know get you high or you know whatever he's doing sort of like keeps they kind of keep all of these things in here but sort of make it like a little bit more neutral I guess um how Disney does presentation and everything is very colorful I think that this is probably one of the darker of their films other than the fact that like at the beginning and i think we've mentioned this before too at the beginning of every disney movie like the princess's parents died or their whole family died or whatever happened like that's always like this dark ass shit that disney does but like this is the darkest like within the tale i feel like and i wonder if part of it was just that like the idea is that she's having this dream and so like all of these things can happen in this dream because you know it didn't actually really happen um or whatever the idea is behind that um so that was kind of interesting to me i like that the um that the stage versions stayed so animated so it's like you didn't have to do anything too crazy to get this animated version um for disney because it's like 
the story and the 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 stage versions are very animated already yeah um and it was just sort of like what's nice about it is it's so colorful like it's really really beautiful to watch um and all of these interesting characters that she meets and she sort of like picks up and learns things from all of them along the way and maybe that's why certain pieces were cut out because like what does she learn from from this or that right um but yeah i think it's um it's interesting because it's it's one of those stories that isn't it isn't like one of those princess kind of tales that that are like what we're used to sort of growing up with mm-hmm. um for young girls at least um and even though it's about a young girl i think it can can really appeal to both um or to all genders like for children um and i think it can appeal to adults as well because there are um just like the themes of it yeah i think it did uh that was one of my favorite movies when i was young was the the alice wonderland version the disney um 1957 or whatever it was 51 version um and then as an adult when we got the the tim burton you know updated version that again was like one of my favorite movies um and even though it's like very very different at the same time it's sort of like it calls back to that same idea and maybe there's something you know with me about this whole like growth and growing up and staying and also staying young and 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 um you know believing in fantasy and and having these you know impossible things that you can can go with it it stays really relevant even for adults so i think that's something that gives it like a lot of staying power even though you know i mean it's becoming more common now with our generation of being like oh yeah you can still watch like animated type films like as an adult and not like have the excuse of like oh well i took my kid i took my sibling i took my whatever you know that's becoming more common now than definitely like our parents generation um sure but even without that, I think that it was still something that could have been like, yeah, you can just watch Alice in Wonderland like as an adult because it still, it still means something to you. Yeah, I feel like I know that I know that Disney did this in all of his films. He tried to make it both reach children and adults, but I do feel like Alice in Wonderland is one of the ones that did it the best. Yeah, because you don't have your traditional princess story you don't have the story you're expecting like this is it is definitely a darker one I remember this is also one of my favorites as a child and I had friends who were scared and wouldn't watch it and I was like I've always been scared of horror movies until recently this was not one this this is not something that scared me but it scared other people and I never Hmm. understood it but it is darker and I think I think even the Disney movie is to an extent darker than some of the books because of course like you have these weird scenes like I feel like the baby turning into a pig was probably disturbing and stuff like that but like the wood scene is just kind of like annoying in the book like she's like (laughs) why can't you get me out of these woods like she meets Tweedledee and Tweedledum and she's like this is really frustrating and they're like and they do their you know their whole shtick or whatever but it's not like I never felt like she was in danger reading the book you're watching the movie and you're like oh my god are these eyes gonna come out and like stab her yeah like, is she gonna die now <laughs> like yeah and so it had some elements that I was like these were kind of hyped up to be a bit darker than they were in the book um yeah. and even like off of their head or maybe like, maybe just the visual of it versus reading yeah. it is is scarier that might yeah. be 
it. I don't know. And that's, but that's it is, it is creepy too. when you think about it. Yeah. And like, and all the off the head, like off of their head stuff, like in the film is so like traumatized where in the book, when I'm reading it, it's like off the cuff. She's just like, yeah, yeah. Off with her head, off with her head. Like well, that's how it feels like the queen is in the book. Whereas like, of course you, and so like, I never had the same, like, wow, this is like a super villain in the book. Like it was just like, okay, she's kind of crazy and maybe don't follow her. And she is like killing people. But like, also there's like one section of the book where it's like, oh, she never actually gets to kill these people. <laughs> she just like says it. And and, and then it, and it never happens. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. But like in the movie, like you see these people dragged <laughs> off. It's like, you know, it's very clear they're going to die or whatever and she definitely has a more villain role i feel like than in the books um a very french of her to be chopping off people's heads absolutely absolutely what um, a queen what a queen <laughs> <laughs> but i'm but yeah, sorry I, uh, okay i uh no i do love it and i do think it does reach all agents and i think i talked about this on the podcast but if i don't remember if i have now um, but when I was in law school, like this was my go-to movie for finals because it was like enough like chaos that it could distract my brain, but it also was like comforting yeah, <laughs> enough. Familiar. So, yeah. Yeah. And so like I watched this every every finals period for like like multiple times. It wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch this every quarter. No, I watched it like five times every quarter, like because it was the movie that helped me kind of get through. And maybe it's the same thing you were saying with like the growing periods. Like when I'm in my growing periods, I want to watch Alice in Wonderland. I want to like read the books or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think Disney also did a great job. I don't think, I don't think they really strayed from the the books too much other than, you know, organization and combination and whatnot of how they yeah. did it and left out some of the things that we mentioned. So then we get to Tim Burton's films, which are not <laughs> true to the storybook but still keep the idea and I guess the heart of the story I feel like they don't throw out what these characters are supposed to be like I don't think so what are your thoughts on that on how Tim Burton yeah adapts? it's definitely um I think this was such a a perfect sort of story for Tim Burton um and especially being one that he didn't write, you mm -hmm. know, because a lot of his his stuff um, that he's really well known for is stuff that he wrote himself. Um, and I think that that his style really lends to sort of this like wacky darkness, um, but with like a heart to it that he is really good at. Um, and so I think that that's why in my opinion, his film did so well. Well, there's there's two of them but you know he did that alice in wonderland and the adventures and or um the looking glass. alice in wonderland and through the looking glass i think that it was a good a, a really good story for him to to tackle he definitely i think something that a lot of the adaptations have done is they've ta they've taken the most liberties with not the story in Wonderland, but the story surrounding how she gets there and um, her, like Alice herself, right? Those are the liberties that, that everybody seems to take. So you see all these different adaptations and like that beginning part, which like in the original story and even in the, uh, the original Disney animated is sort of like 
her talking to her cat and she goes and she sits down and she falls asleep or whatever, you know, this little simple um, child kind of on their own daydreaming or whatever um, and turned it into, you know, something else. So like in this, she's at her like what engagement party or whatever. And um, surprise engagement party. Yes. Her surprise (laughs) engagement party, which is very, you know, 18, you know, whatever. Um, for this type of family, well off with, uh, again, dead father, you know, dead, this, it's not the mother this time. Um, and like all of this stuff that she's like dealing with. Right. And so, um, and you sort of see her wanting to get away, but what I think is interesting about this one and about some other adaptations that we'll sort of get to is this, um, creation in this early part of um you start to see all of these characters that we then see in wonderland and so it becomes you know this dream of you know these are people that she actually knows in real life and maybe this is her her dream that she's um you know processing or whatever what do they say about dreams that you're like processing these things in real life and so you see things all weird or whatever so it's like the the twins that she knows that are kind of annoying become like the the Tweedledee and Tweedledum characters like this like sort of mirror um of things that you see and so that is sort of an interesting concept um but then like it's like Wizard of Oz I mean she comes back she's like and you were there and you were there and it's like yeah the same concept and I, I I also really like that yeah so like that I thought what is always really interesting um, and she really does grow um, in this story, but it's interesting because it's sort of the opposite of what we see in the, um, in the original Disney is like, they make her an adult and it's sort of the characters that she meets are more childlike um rather than i feel like in the animated version she's a kid and these are like adult characters um and so like the way even though they have a little bit of this sort of romance-esque type thing between her and um that and the hatter Mm -hmm. um in this version which is kind of still feels a little odd because he does really get presented as like this child or like really youthful soul um it's it's an interesting concept too because whether the representation is just you know this is who i'm seeing in um in my dream or whatever or if it's kind of like a callback to the story you know in a story things don't change it all stays the same right or an original movie like things stay the same so he's not gonna age whereas she is a a, a real girl and she is you know coming here and so she's going to keep getting older she needs to take over her father's company she needs to you know they bring in all of these real world sort of aspects for her that she goes back to childhood to learn through these characters yeah and i think that's probably like and, and this is just me making stuff up but i felt like that's <laughs> the concepts are different because of her age because in the original she's a child but they're pushing her to study and do all these things but still maintain her like youthfulness and this is showing her kind of how to grow up how to be like a real person and like she's having to fend for herself and she's having to do all these things so it's like kind of her first time being out on her own but it reminds her to keep the fantasy and keep this like magic alive while doing that but because in the tim burton films she's already an adult she's already had to learn all this stuff she has to go back to where like her child self was so like 
you have to have the adults in the beginning because then she has to be like them whereas in this one it's like they're more of the childlike because she also has to be like them and maintain that part of herself and um and so that's kind of like how I always saw it and I I think that that you know I think that's good it makes sense because you do want to keep that like you know the right perspective I guess from the from the Alice you're you're with well and that's what's great too is that it's um at the beginning you know it's the it's the the mom and the and the fiance and all these people who are like you can't think like this like you have to be an adult Mm -hmm. and it's going through this whole thing where she comes and she's like no that's just you can still have these childlike ideas child you know quote-unquote childlike ideas or like really still believe in the fantasy and that's how you know these big um leaps in technology and um in you know in in not just technology but like other aspects um how we're able to grow and learn more by not limiting ourselves to what we already know to be true Mm -hmm. um and I think that's a beautiful lesson to be told to, to all ages is it's like you yes obviously you need to be mature and you need to like go to work and do all of these things you know as you get older and 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 think for yourself and take care of yourself you can't just like let you know childhood totally take over but having all of those you know ideas that you had in childhood those those beliefs the the belief in the impossible um in you know infinity in you know all of these things that you may be able to do you can do anything you want to do all of those kinds of things that's how we have you know growth and expansion and and all of these things because if if nobody tries it then we don't know if it works or not and that's how we discover new right. things and so right. it's sort of like an interesting um r- relationship between like the individual and like the world or like all of com- the community or whatever um yeah it just has so many like levels i feel like that people don't always think about i agree and i i think like one of the other things i really liked about it was the use of the characters because while it didn't have you know every character in it it did like tim burton used characters that were mentioned in the book still because so i i obviously read this the third and fourth one um but like the so the first movie was much more true to the original like story that we've seen a lot it has Mm -hmm. the traditional characters the mad hatter the rabbit the queen of hearts all of that the second one is where it kind of like spirals a bit but like time is mentioned as a character in these books just not as not as deep of a dive as we get in the second movie and so like while these things and like the Jabberwocky is like not a huge thing it's just a poem that we're looking at it does become obviously this big villainous creature that she has to kill in the first one and so it's like Tim Burton never left the structure of or like the the characters that were included he just made them huge like he just really expanded on them and broadened it but while staying still like staying true to everything and I I really appreciate that which is one of the things I was gonna say I forgot about the stage show their music is almost like a lot of it is from the lyrics from the poems from the book yeah and Walt Disney is obviously very different I it makes sense but I didn't think about it going into the stage play because I'd seen all this new stuff from the Disney movies like the newer songs and stuff and I really appreciated that of like while they made it their own in a sense 
while st- they still stayed true to like that's how they incorporated the poems was through lyrics through musical like arrangements and stuff and um and so i just i i appreciate someone who can take everything and not change them and not make their you know the um what am i trying to say like the like the make of the character yeah but they'll so they they don't change the character themselves they just add to it or they expand yeah Um, which is one thing i really liked about the tim burton ones and i'm a huge tim burton fan anyway so i just have this like here's my group of tim burton movies and i love them all (laughs) Um, he has a very unique vision Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because i think that a lot of people it's my hot take I think a lot of people have um, this idea of who he is as a person and decide if they like him or not. And then Mm -hmm. they will like say, oh, I don't like him, but I like this, you know, this one thing or these two things that he's done. And like he, his vision is so unique that I feel like you're just trying to not like him by saying that you don't like him but saying that you like this like because there's the there are these common threads and these things that are like very true to him that are in all of the pieces that he works on um and so if you like one of them you probably like all of them and you just don't want to admit or most of them maybe you don't like one of the stories but like they're all the same like visual aspects you have those sharp angles and everything they have a very dark view of everything like the the lighting is very dark you have the same incredible gray scale yes for everything Mm -hmm. in that everything sort of has this grayness to it but in so many different shades and colors of gray yeah it's very interesting because i don't think anyone else really knows how to do that right i agree the way that he does because i sleepy see that hollow yeah is like say, in a lot of like horror films they overdo it one way or the other yeah and it, you don't get like it's more it's too much more sudden than it should be whereas he kind of just lives in that area the whole movie but yeah. it takes you where you need it to be um yeah the i mean the visual aspects of tim burton films are one of my favorite elements of it um along with the music it's uh it's danny elfman who does all the music right that's his like composer um yeah they they work together a lot um it's not every one of them but it's like that's one of the main composers he works with um yeah and he is a friggin incredible yeah danny elfman yeah um and then the cast member uses the same cast and everything (laughs) which is i mean you know what you're gonna get but you also know that like the cast he's produced all of those actors and actresses like they can play any role you give them like which is why it works so well for him even though a lot of these i mean they're dark roles they're you know they're all similarly dark they're different roles and different people um so i i think well and i think that there's this this idea maybe for people who don't who who aren't in the industry or who don't understand that um that it's like you know oh people just always cast their friends or people always and like as someone who's worked for like a lot of different directors and worked with a lot of different people and you know on on varying levels of of you know professionalism and and things like that it's like 
there when you find someone that you can work really well with um as like a director to actor uh you know connection or even like director to stage manager you know I've talked to you about this a lot like as a stage manager it's I love stage managing but it's really hard to work with a new director because sometimes they don't understand how I work and it really I, I understand that most people who are listening to this are like oh no the stage manager needs to understand how the director works and I get that but there needs to be you know this kind of trust both ways because the director needs to trust that the stage manager is gonna do their job and you know and then the and that they're they're gonna be you know supportive to them and so it, it's always a process but um but anyway, there's all of these different like levels and then yeah, actors who can work well together. And it's like, just because you're, you know, good friends outside doesn't necessarily mean you're going to work well together on stage. And then you could fucking hate each other um, and still work really well together on stage. We've seen that a bunch of times. Um, and then we've also seen things where people work together and their, you know, outside lives really feed into you know, the characters that they're playing and that, and that's, you know, a way to do it too. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely, it, it's not always nepotism and favoritism as much as it is. I know this person can do this and I am not going to have, like, I'm not going to have to pull things out of them. It's not going to be, you know, a, a question because sometimes you get somebody at an audition and they're incredible in the audition. And then when you go to work with them, what they can do is what they gave you in the audition. You can't get anything more out of them. You can't get them to change. Like that's the idea that they have and that there's nothing, there's no more growth or change, you know, development from that. And that's fine. But it's sort of like if the director has an idea, you know, it need, there needs to be this sort of like really working together between the two parts. And so anyway, Oh, my long-winded way of saying that it's you know he works with these people because he knows that they're going to give a good performance and he knows what he can get out of them and yeah. there's something really beneficial to that and I know that like for me anytime I see Johnny Depp is going to be in something anytime I see that um, Helena Bonham Carter is going to be in something I know that they're going to give you know Helena Bonham Carter has a tendency now she plays very different characters now as an adult than she did as a young adult or like a mm -hmm. you know a young woman when she was like more of an ingenue type and now she really leans into kind of her uh you know darkness her quirkiness like all of that kind of stuff which I love and so you you sort of know what you're gonna get with her she tends to play a lot of like similar types of characters because that's what she likes to do she likes to you know use fake teeth and things like that yeah. um because she feels like it helps her get into character and like that's awesome like good for her I don't know how she talks with them um <laughs> but like Johnny Depp is very much like I wouldn't be surprised no matter what they tried to say that he was gonna do because you've seen him do everything mm -hmm. and he does everything well yep. and I don't understand method actors. Um, I think it's insane, but like it works for him. So like, great. They make me a please little don't, nervous. You know, yes, yeah, please don't die. <laughs> um, Heath Ledger, like, you know, please don't like do anything crazy or like let it uh, super affect your life. But serious, he clearly has some kind of way to work on stuff that he's able to, to, to present it well and, 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 and do what he's doing and, and he so has whatever he on personal issues that maybe stem from some of this stuff but like well yeah for the most part he you know can go through any role and do fine yeah so 
it's interesting you see that with a lot of director actor kind of combinations though yeah. like people get used to working I mean, with scorsese does the same thing. tarantino does the same thing i mean yeah. this is not like a new idea um when i have ideas <laughs> yeah when i have ideas for things like when just the ideas sort of come to me of of things that i want to do with with certain scripts or whatever i usually know of somebody that i can picture in my life and i'm like oh that person would be so great and it's like, it's just, I already am picturing it. I know that they can do it. I know that they can do exactly what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like me looking at them and then coming up with something, which is something else that happens sometimes, but just like they're immediately who I, you know, thought of. And so anyway, well, that's, that's my tangent. But. That's the end of our love fest for Tim Burton. So <laughs> to bring it back to Alice in Wonderland for this startup of our two-parter with the book stage show disney and new disney do you have any final thoughts on this section before moving forward um i definitely think that you see sort you see this um feel of the time as you go through even though like this most modern disney live version the tim burton version is still set in you know the 1800s it has more of a modern feel to it with like her going off on her own and deciding not to get married and taking over the company and all of that kind of stuff those are all like way more you know we saw that a little bit but it then but it's way more of a common like everybody just kind of accepted it and stuff now yeah um that than it would have been then um and it sort of feels like you can feel the more modern like the time period in which we're telling the story um is represented in it which i think is um one of the things that people don't always think about when they're thinking about um especially older works um and and being representative of not only you know all of these performance pieces especially when it comes to like stage productions because they're live right? right um they not only represent the time that they are set in and the time that they are written in, but also the time that they are performed in. And you can see all of these different aspects of it. And so I think that's something that's kind of interesting that you see, you know, in each of the pieces and the original story is very, you know, it's wacky and it's out there. And that's what's kind of nice about it is it doesn't have to, you have this basis of a story that doesn't necessarily have to sit in any specific time because it's really true fantasy. Yeah. Um. But there are aspects of it that you can really, you're like, oh, yes, that's it. It was the 1800s. It was the 1600s. It was the whatever, like right. whenever you're kind of placing all of this kinds of all of these kinds of stories. And so that's one of the most interesting things I think about um, watching different adaptations of this same story is that they all stay true to the heart of the story, but they kind of the 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 mood of it the all of these kind of like feelings surrounding it um and kind of where the the development of the idea comes from is is really represented by kind of what's happening in the world at the time that they're adapting it or working on it or whatever um and so that's kind of uh interesting too and the how they take these characters in this fantasy and try to kind of put them into real life in these like in the framing story of the beginning and the end um and kind of show the show these people for real like how do i see this you know crazy 
duchess pig child like thing in in life you know like all these different like weird things that they that you kind of try to place and so that's that's kind of cool too um yeah i love stories like this that get um adapted a lot a lot we talked about this with cinderella too you see a lot of different um ideas and different visions and like we said about even just looking at the two disney's the disney animated is so bright and colorful and it depends you know we get some bright colorful stuff with uh the tim burton version in like the queen of hearts everything is very red um and and that's true too is that everything if you really look at it everything is much dimmer in real life than at the beginning and at the end than when she's in wonderland um where you get these like really bright pops of color and it sort of depends on you know who she's who she's interacting with and that's um in uh an interesting choice to sort of like relate to where she is too so you look at a lot of different things but you can you no matter how different they are they still all come back to the same you know core which is great nothing has really from what i've seen of all these different adaptations has really like tried to go way out to you know the opposite end of the world with you know the story and i've read some modern you know thriller tellings and stuff like that and it's like it's interesting how they uh put different genres um or different um you know just like plot points in here while still keeping you know the the story the same it's just very interesting um and it has a long history because you know it was written originally in what 1865 so yeah you know a hot minute to play with it (laughs) Right. And it's, it's public domain. I, I love a good, yeah. I love a good public domain that you can do stuff like this. Um, that's actually one of my like personal writer goals is I want to do off the walls adaptation <laughs> of something in the public domain that hasn't been overdone. That is my goal. And I haven't figured out what that is yet, but I just, I think that it is one of the most fun things to read and do. So I love it. Um, and I, I agree with, with everything you're saying. Um, Alice in Wonderland is my favorite story of potentially all time. Like in general, as a story, I love Alice in Wonderland. I can't wait until next week when we talk about a few more adaptations and some <laughs> interesting and wacky twists that have been put on this, this telling, um, both on the stage and off. So tell the people where they can find us. Okay. Uh, you can find us on all social media uh, at unseen artist org. Um, no S on artists. It is not plural uh, because of Twitter. Uh, so you can find us there. But if you want to email us, you can always email us at info at unseen Make sure you put the S in there. Um, you can also get our website www.unseenartists.org. Um, you can find us everywhere. We are on Patreon. We are, you know, we have Venmo and PayPal and you can pay, you know, you can donate via our website. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, so if you want to hear more, see more, um, donations are always appreciated and you can, uh, they're tax deductible. So, and we're getting to the end of the year. So if you need those tax deductions, uh, get on it. Cause we would love to, uh, do some you. more, we would love to do some more work. Uh, and if you have suggestions for things that you want to see us do, hear us talk about, uh if you just want to have thoughts about you want to tell us your thoughts about what we've been talking about please do 
uh, we like to know. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's us. Mm-hmm. We're unseen artists. Yes. Yeah, so on that note, I'm Courtney. I'm Noel, and we are unseen artists. Bye bye. <laughs>